This episode of the History Files is brought to you by Audible. Visit audibletrial.com/historyfiles to start your free trial membership. Many, many years ago. Building of human rights. The guns at Malta evoke again the echo. In June 1948, all road and rail communication. Some things just aren't easy to explain. The History Files. We bring history to you. Welcome to episode 78 of the History Files, coming to you from the fourth week of November 2016 here in the Pacific Northwest of the United States of America. And that means it's Thanksgiving time. In the spirit of the holiday, we're going to do a little myth-busting, or at least talking about this American holiday today. But before we dig into that, let's look at a couple things in the media. This is Hollywood. Sporting cast of thousands. What else came of my trip to the library? Romance, education, entertainment. First of all, last week we had part two of our short series on the cowboys. And uh, don't fear, we're not going to give up on that. We're going to get back to it. We've got at least one more episode in us about that. But we thought we'd take a pause this week because it was Thanksgiving. So we thought we'd do something special for that. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, uh, it's episode 76 and 77. And check that out. And we'll be picking up again on that soon. Over on YouTube, our new YouTube channel uh, for Bad Cat Productions, I finally uploaded Gordon's Gun Talk at SteamCon 2 way back in 2010. It's all about firearms of the American West, speaking of cowboys. So uh, check that out if you're into firearms history. It's long. It's like an hour and a half or something long, but uh, it's a lot of fun. And I put a lot of inserts in it to kind of beef it up for YouTube. And uh, when you're over there, don't forget to subscribe to our channel. That helps us out a lot. History lives again. So today we're going to talk about Thanksgiving, at least Thanksgiving in the United States, which of course for us means turkey and pumpkin pie and all kinds of other fun stuff to, you know, literally stuff our faces with. And, um... You know, it's of course, just like all holidays here in the United States, it's sort of degenerated more into a, a good excuse to shop for stuff. But it's also a time for families to get together. And if not, maybe most don't, but plenty do actually give thanks for for the, the past year. Uh, and anyway, because the first Thanksgiving the, that this is descended from... Uh, was in, what, 1621 or so? A few years ago. Um, and anyway, we thought we'd talk yeah. about it a little bit. Yeah, where, where did this holiday come from? I know they have Thanksgiving. Also in Canada, they celebrated that a month or so ago, and um, probably for similar reasons, I'm guessing. But uh, for the for the United States of America... You know, if we have we have a special thing. If uh, I know we're we're of a certain Gordon and I are of a certain age, where I have very fond memories of arts and crafts projects oh, in yeah. grade school at this time of year, making turkeys, making with little cabs. you know <laughs> construction paper turkeys, and 
pilgrim hats and, and eating paste. Eat, oh yeah, eating well that that's <laughs> that goes without season. But um yeah, so so um you know, we have all these sort of notions about this time of year, but what was the reality of it? I mean, first of all, who were the pilgrims? I mean, the word pilgrim means a lot of different things. There are religious pilgrims. There are uh, of of all many different faiths that do different things. Go on, you go on pilgrimage to right. something. But when we, but as a little American kid, you think of pilgrims. I think of somebody in seventeenth century clothes. It's with a blunderbuss and a yep, and a stovepipe kind of hat and a starched white collar and buckles on their shoes. But so. We, and we just sort of take it for granted because we live here in North America, but in the 17th century, this was a wild, untamed, foreign... Oh, yeah. You know, it was an alien planet, basically. What possessed a very small group of people to pick up from the old country, get on a couple of... or one flimsy little boat, and come over here to just nowhere, the middle... literally, literally the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Why did they... what would make somebody do that? Well, first off, in the early 1600s, Jamestown, which was founded in 1607, that was the Wild West. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 you know, the beach that the Atlantic Ocean lapped upon was the Wild West. So and it's Jamestown, Virginia. Virginia. Yeah, Jamestown and Virginia. But uh, the pilgrims, the, the term... Pilgrim seems to have applied, been applied to these people much later, but at the time they referred to themselves as separatists. Uh, this goes back to Henry VIII's decision to break with the Church of Rome in 1533 or thereabouts. Uh, so less than 100 years before. Right, because he wanted to divorce his wife, uh, Catherine of Aragon, and marry... Uh, Anne Boleyn, and so they could have their baby Elizabeth, who later became, of course, one of the great monarchs in England. But uh, in the process of his separating from the Church of Rome, uh, it, of course, was something that was held to be you know, in a gasp by the good Catholics of England and was cheered by people with Protestant leanings in England. And it led to all kinds of of horrible conditions for a whole lot of people, both Catholic and Protestant, because nobody knew exactly what the king's religion was. Under Elizabeth, it became much more um, steadily Protestant, but it was still pretty lightweight Protestant. Uh, the Calvinists, followers of John Calvin of uh, uh, Geneva, was, um, you know, those people were much more ardent Protestants. And of course, um, Scotland came under their sway. But the English Protestants, Church of England, um, it was much more, much closer to Catholicism in a lot of ways, even though they, of course, hated the Catholics. But, you know, that was a day and age in which politics played itself out in, um, <laughs> in religion, or religion played itself out in politics. It's kind of hard to tell. But Throughout the reign of Elizabeth, there was more and more of a push to cleanse the uh, the English Church, the Church of England, of of what they called popery, uh, or you know the the pomp and circumstance of the Catholic Church. Uh, when James, who was uh, Elizabeth's cousin, the son of Mary, uh, Queen of Scots, when he came to the throne 
in uh, 1601, pardon me, 1603, he, um, he was raised a Calvinist, but he wasn't all that excited about Calvinism. But these Puritans, as they called themselves, were desperate to purify the Church of England. Well, there was another group of people or several groups that really didn't like either one. They didn't think that the Church of England could be purified enough, so they separated themselves from England, and they referred to themselves as separatists. And this is what the people who we call the, the Pilgrim Fathers, um, what they came from, the separatist movement. So this is another off, another Protestant offshoot. Right, exactly. They were primarily Calvinist. And they separated themselves from the Church of England by moving to the Netherlands. Uh, they lived for the most part in the, the city of, of Leiden, which in 1574 was laid siege to by the Spaniards. And I could go on for about three this hours. after they moved there? Yeah. Uh, no, this is just before they moved there. Oh, okay. But, so um, it was kind of an upheaval. Right. But Leiden uh, had been besieged by the Spaniards in what's called the 80 Years War. And again, I could go for about three hours talking about that, actually more like six months. But the um, result was that they had a university after being relieved by William of uh, Orange, William the Silent. But they gave thanksgiving for this, and this seems to be one of the the the. So kernels. they started this holiday even when they were in the old world, right? That seems like the these separatists who were taking part in the city life of Leiden in the Netherlands were exposed to this Thanksgiving ceremony or feast. That oh, I'm sorry, it was the people of Leiden who started this right. Thanksgiving. People in okay. Leiden were were giving thanks for the relief of the siege by William the Silent. And the people, mm. these separatists, these English separatists who'd moved to Leiden were, you know, exposed to this. Anyway, sure. the the seems like the a, Dutch were very a nice thing to do. Yeah, the Dutch were very welcoming of these English separatists. They were free to to pursue their religious interests uh, as they saw fit. But unfortunately, the English separatists discovered that their children were growing up far more Dutch than English. They wanted to be English. They, you know, they were very proud of their English heritage. They didn't want to be Dutch. So because of that, they decided, well, they better move back to England. They moved back to England, back to their home base of Plymouth, and they didn't like that either. So, where are we going to go? Huh. Well, why didn't they like it back in Plymouth? They were, because there was still, they, they were still felt like they were under intense scrutiny or yeah, they, persecuted. Things or, hadn't things, as far as I understand it, things had not gone far enough, ah. fast enough. The Puritans were still waging war, uh, only figuratively at this time. It was literally against war of ideas. the son, yeah, against James's son in the English Civil War, but. Um, there's this war of ideas between the Puritans and the and the Church of England. So going to the Netherlands was getting out from the English problem, but then they felt that they were being absorbed into the Dutch culture. They didn't want that. They liked their culture. Right. So, so this then is what leads to the extreme decision to go just cross the ocean and go all the way to the wild and woolly. Right. To Jamestown. Yeah. They're going to go to Virginia. 
Oh, they were headed for Jamestown. They were headed for Virginia. They started out in two ships, actually. It wasn't just the, the Mayflower, but they had two ships, one of which was this leaky tub, and they finally ended up selling it uh, because it, it, it cost them several weeks of, uh, you know, if they could have used, <laughs> they would have been very happy to you have You mean they used. started out across the Atlantic in, With, two ships, in two ships, and this one had so many troubles that they ended up going They had to go back, back and oh. then sold that one and you know, reshuffled everything. It took them like two months to get across the Atlantic because of strong headwinds. And the shape of the ships of that day and age with very mm-hmm. high stern castles mm-hmm. uh, made it very difficult yeah. to, you know, They to really weren't the ideal for open ocean. Not yet, no. I mean, they were sturdy and seaworthy. Right, but with that much sail area hamper. basically above the waterline. Yeah, they didn't do so hot. It's too much free work. It only took them ha- a month to get back. <laughs> the when the Mayflower went back to England, it only took them. It took half the time. Yeah. But at any rate, they were four hundred miles off. Yeah, uh, they were headed for Virginia. So they, they were, were headed for Jamestown, but they ended up at what they called Plymouth Rock. Right. So in, is, in present day New England, which yeah. is, you know. Uh, became later part of the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Did they realize how far north they were? Yeah, they pretty much figured it out. And then they decided, oh, well, we'll just set up shop here. Yeah, there had been some English poking around there. In fact, John Smith, the you know, Captain John Smith of the uh, of Jamestown fame, had actually done some poking around there in the idea, with the idea of, of settling a colony there. But um, that came to naught. However... The uh, the separatists and f- other people. There was only, they were only about half of the these people were actual actually separatists. The other half were, you know, just people who wanted to, you know, go on an adventure or get out of uh, get out of town or whatever. Chance for a new beginning. Yeah. Makes it makes make a better life for yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So they so this was intended to be a permanent situation. They weren't just. Right. We're going to be here for a few years and then go home. They nope. were they were starting over. Right. They were separating themselves from England. They were going to continue to be English, but they were separating themselves from the the vices of England. Hmm. So, so that was one of my questions. Was you know why this area in New England? It was it was kind of what I thought it was. It was bad. It was basically bad navigation. They thought seems like they were aiming for Jamestown. Were. <laughs> Whoops. The greater Virginia, which wasn't yeah, necessarily right. where they. So they were. did. So they had a goal. They weren't just well. We'll just throw a dart and see where we land. They they right. kind of wanted to hook up with the people in or at least be within, established. You know. Right. At least be within hailing distance. You know, so that for you know mutual defense. Against Spaniards and things like that. So this wasn't the first contact with North American natives by people from the from the old world by Europeans. Oh no! Well, certainly not. Yeah. I mean, Columbus showed Obviously. up hundred and some odd years earlier. Yeah, but he was way down in the Caribbean. Yeah, and the the Spaniards. The Spaniards have been up and down the coast. In fact, in the 1570s, Spain had uh, some uh, colonies colonies up clear up into Virginia. Hmm. which is something that's kind of ignored. I mean, you can drive along the freeway and see signs that said, you know, 1573, Santa Elena, um, things like that, Spanish colony, but that's about all you ever hear about it. <clears throat> so the Spaniards have been poking around. Uh, the English had sent various expl- explorations as early as the, um, fif- was it the 1570s and 80s, you have... Um, Martin Frobisher poking around, Frobisher Bay, um, Baffin, all that kind of stuff way up north. 
And so the even in the was it the 1490s, you had um, uh, uh, John Cabot or Giovanni Caboto um, flying an English flag, poking around there, hmm. Newfoundland, Newfoundland. Ah, okay. So there have been plenty of exposure uh, sure. between or contact between the Native American population and the Europeans, but um, no real settlement, not much, at least, not many attempts. Okay, well, let's get down to some specifics here. Who was Squanto? Okay, Squanto, he's a, a fascinating character. Uh, his name is variously described as uh, Tisquantum or variations on that, but Squanto seems to be the name that has come down to us from history. But it was, um, I guess, a uh, one of the various names for uh, Manitou, you know. Uh, uh, oh, the par- it's a paranormal thing, the right. Manitou. Right, the Manitou. The, well, also sort of this all-encompassing spirit, mm. um, uh, not necessarily... Um, beneficial right <laughs> but at any rate that that's from what my research claims i don't know if that's um how much veracity that has but that that's that's what i was getting but anyway he's come down to um come down to us as squanto and he was from the uh patuxet tribe mm. which was a subset or uh subservient to the uh wampanoag confederacy and this is a big confederacy of the Abenaki and uh, various Algonquin tribes in New England at the time. Huh. He seems to have been kidnapped or captured by some English traders uh, in 1605 or thereabouts. And when, and when did our pilgrims land? Fifteen years later, 1620. Oh, okay. So he had some unpleasant experiences with the Europeans he, already. Strange experiences. He was he he and four others were actually captured and brought to England, to Plymouth of all places, to be uh, to be taught English so that they could use them as translators. So the oh, English could use them as translators. Take them back. To take them back. Uh, and they see, he he seems to have been uh, brought back and and released. And then another another Englishman captured him. Oh. Some other Englishman captured him, and then tried to sell him in Spain. As just a slave? Yeah, a slave. Oh, that's great. And But some Spanish monks who were strongly objecting to slavery mm-hmm. managed to capture him and set him free, and they managed to get him back to Spain. They taught him some Catholic, uh, some of the Catholic faith, and anyway, they... Wait, they, they, the he, they were Spanish trying to sell him into slavery in, in England? No, in Spain. The English you were said trying... the monks took him back to Spain. No. The English... Englishman who captured him tried to sell him in Spain. Right. And, and then the monks... Monks, really, Spanish monks mm-hmm. captured him, helped him for a while, mm-hmm. taught him some some Catholicism, instructed him at least, and then helped him get back to England where he thought oh, he... back to England. Right, okay, back to England. back to Spain, so I was... Confused. I'm sorry, back to England where oh, okay. he could, at that point... Then get on a get, ship and get back right. home. And through various machinations, he managed to actually do that. Wow. It's it's pretty um, complex. I and haven't seen the movie Squanto, A Warrior's Tale, so I have no idea how historically accurate it is. Yeah, me neither. Uh, but John Smith, as I mentioned, Captain John Smith, who was the you know hero or villain, whichever you prefer, of uh, uh, Jamestown, 
was involved in all this stuff. Again, he was trying to see if it was worth setting up a colony in the New England area, hmm. you know, in uh, Massachusetts Bay. But, you know, it's, he had some kind of dealings with Squanto. It's, it's, to me, it's kind of fuzzy, but that's probably because I glossed over a lot of that stuff in history class. At any rate, Squanto gets his freedom, goes back to his home, which is approximately where, not too far from where Plymouth would be, and discovers that his family, or his tribe, uh, the uh, Patuxets, were gone. They had caught some disease, probably smallpox, maybe, maybe something else. Um, but they were prime. Oh, oh, they were dead. So his family was all gone. He wandered off um, to join the Abenaki, where he hap- where he was living when the the separatists show up, the pilgrims ah. show up in the Mayflower. Oh, okay. And he didn't actually meet them on the beach, like some claim. Uh, you know, some of the mythologies claim he actually was sent there by one of the um, uh, Sagamores, a chief of the Abenaki, because, hey, you know English, go talk to these guys, see what they want. And he seems to have gotten along very well with these separatists. He and William Bradford seem to have had a very good relationship. So here these guys are are settling in the new world and here this guy comes walking out of the woods this native american guy and says hey how's it going pretty much <laughs> in english pretty much what are you guys up to yeah hey man what gives you know or, or whatever um got you good den good sir or mm-hmm. something of that nature and the english of course are stupefied by this like oh my goodness a god is provided now, also, God provided these nice cleared forests because, you know, this cleared land because, well, gee, his tribe had cleared all this land there and then died, providentially died. And so oh, so the, this was the area where Squanto was from originally? From what I understand, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. And so anyway, there's this cleared land and, you know, God provides. Wow, look at all this stuff we don't have to clear. We can just go to farming it. And, you know, I guess in a way it, it did. But... Here's Squanto, who is sent, literally sent there um, to interact with them, to be an intermediary. And he does basically put together a treaty between the Wampoags. Wampanoag? Wampanoag, that's it. Um, I can pronounce the Northwest Indian stuff, (laughs) not the Northeast. Anyway... It puts together a treaty that lasts for 50 years. So there are peaceful relations for 50 years because of, of Squanto's interactions, uh, inter, being an intermediary. And um, he also, this is the big part, he teaches them how to farm. These guys were mostly city folks, but they still had an understanding of farming in Europe. But the conditions were very, very different mm. in New England. Now, nowadays you can farm the same crops but in 1620 not so much and so he shows them how to plant corn in little bunches you know the little mounds of course with a couple of fish in there mm-hmm. fertilizer that's fertilizer and teaches them to hunt turkeys and deer and you know the corn bean squash basically all the stuff that you have to have to have at thanksgiving hmm. uh you know how to go dig oysters um, all this kind of stuff, you know, Boston baked beans. Where do you think those came from? 
uh, <laughs> you know, pumpkin pie, all this kind of stuff. So that, those kinds of squash were were something that grew natively here? Or oh, pumpkins, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. Uh, squash is a new world. Oh, I knew it was a new world. I right. just didn't know how far north it had gotten. Pumpkins certainly did. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Corn beans, and squash had gone were clear up into Canada. Oh, okay. Um, as far as you could actually uh, reasonably plant and grow so, such things. So what time of year was it when they landed? Uh, I believe it was in the fall, but it, was, um, uh, it wasn't until the next year. Right. That was their their Thanksgiving harvest. Sure, because they would harvest everything they'd been right. growing. So their for the first Thanksgiving feast for would these be, people was, was the following year, sixteen twenty one. And they did have squash and corn and, and probably baked beans. turkey and, and baked beans, definitely yeah, oysters. Yeah, turkey and venison. Okay. Um, that would be the things that that they had. They did have turkey. Now, of course, the the wild turkeys are very different from the the domestic turkeys we have. The domestic turkeys that we're eating are actually descended from the domestic, the turkeys that were domesticated by the Mexican Indians, like the Aztecs mm-hmm. and whatnot. The Spaniards referred to them as Mexican chickens. Sure. However, when the settlers got when the English settlers got to New England and they saw these birds, they didn't call them Mexican chickens, because they didn't know what a Mexican chicken was. They called them Turkish pheasants. Oh. Or turkey pheasants. Okay. Because they look. they really do. I mean, if yeah. you've ever seen a wild turkey, they, they are more pheasant looking. They look like basically non-colorful uh, peacocks and peahens. It's a, it's a longer necked, longer bodied bird. Right. But still, they're yeah. not that different yeah. in coloration. From a lot of pheasants, yeah, and good camouflage. So they're calling them pheasants, but instead of the the a Turkish pheasant or a turkey in the mm-hmm. ter- terminology of the day, a turkey pheasant, rather than dropping the turkey part and just calling it a pheasant, they drop the pheasant part and call it a turkey. Why Turkish? I guess that's where they were used to pheasants coming from, was Turkey. Oh, okay, okay. from the Turks. So I don't know. I guess. But were there were there native pheasants, just pheasant pheasants like we have nowadays? Not here, not right. in the New World. No. Oh, really? No, that's an import. Oh, absolutely. I didn't know that. Yeah, and they were imported. They'd been imported to England. Okay. Uh, from by the like the um, Levant Company and things like that. So. Huh. I just I'm just so used to we are so used to pheasants and people who are wildfowl hunters going after their pheasants and pheasants and artwork. With pheasants in it, and I just, just sort of take it for granted that it's a indigenous thing, but it's not. Oh, it's yeah. Not. I mean, they're no more indigenous than chickens. <laughs> yeah, but chickens generally don't live out in the woods. No, <laughs> generally. Uh, generally speaking. <clears throat> no, but anyway, yeah. Squanto was hmm. responsible for um, helping these separatists, aka the pilgrims, put together this um, Thanksgiving dinner. Literally. So that's not cobbled together out of. No. Wishful nope. myths. Nope. That's that's really the did. a good New England, uh, you know, dinner uh, based on the local cuisine, shall we say. Mm. Now, one thing I do want to point out is that the figure from the 1920s or whatever uh, showing the Pilgrim Fathers with his buckled shoes and his high-crowned hat, uh, you know, witch's hat, and his blunderbuss is complete fantasy. 
first off, buckles didn't go on their shoes until about 50 years later, 40 yeah. or 50 years later. Um, and the high crown hats, yeah, almost in kind of in fashion. But blunderbusses, no, they didn't come out for another 80 years, probably 60 or 80 years. The uh, they brought with them what they called fouling pieces, which they were not for what we call shooting flying. Uh, mm. They were for setting up a stand and waiting for a whole bunch of birds, waterfowl to mm. to um, to flock and settle in the water. So it wasn't a solid shot thing. It was no. a bird shot. It was for bird shot. Okay. And they're usually a very large caliber, 80 something or more caliber. Oh, wow. And later generations would generally refer to something like that as a punt gun. And basically, sure. while the birds are all resting out in the water, <laughs> you blast away. So the Thanksgiving as we know it, I mean, there were Thanksgivings all through uh, the New World by early settlers, whether they were the um, whether they were Spaniards who, like with Cortez, landed at Veracruz, they gave Thanksgiving. Um, Don Juan de Oñate's colonists to New Mexico in. 1598 gave Thanksgiving when they crossed the Rio Grande into what's now the United States. So it was a customary thing to do, Mm -hmm. kind of, instead of doing it in a church, in a formal worship setting, you would would basically have... Make sort of an ad hoc holy day and have a feast day and, and well, give thanks to God. For that's the thing. difference, actually. This is the difference. These other Thanksgivings were generally very much um, religious, fairly formal religious Thanksgivings. Mm-hmm. The one that the our, the Pilgrim Fathers gave, though, was more on the order of a um, an autumn, you know, end of harvest feast day. Sure. Okay. And it was yes, it was. You know the the um, religious leaders gave the blessing and whatnot, sure. but there was no formal liturgy. Exactly, it was not nearly as formalized. And our present day Thanksgiving that we practice in the United States is definitely descended oh, it, directly it, from the one from the New, New England one. Very very secular now. It's very secular now, mm-hmm. but it it didn't start out as being a specific holiday holy day right. like say christmas or easter right it wasn't on the holy count cal- the holy day calendar schedule of of things right yeah. and it seems to have been generally followed in new england for the next couple of centuries as something you do in you know november but it wasn't codified until 1863 during be- the american civil war oh, and became a national holiday it became a national holiday and uh, uh, as named by um, Abraham Lincoln, but that it was the last Thursday of November. In 1941, December of 1941, uh, it was the um, the Roosevelt administration. I mean, this is right after bombing of Pearl Harbor and stuff like that, um, that they codified it to the fourth Thursday of November. And why a Thursday? Just seems to be that was the day they did it on, uh, you know. Uh, no, why not a Friday or a Monday like because, so many other holidays? Because those are those are holy days. Oh, Fridays, okay. Saturdays, Sundays, all that. Those are oh, holy days. This okay. is just a secular. Okay. Thanks. It's not secular, but not 
as formal sort of a com combined thing but definitely it was a giving of thanks to the Lord for his mercy in seeing them this far hmm. and um, you know a thanks literally a thanksgiving and you know it's become an extremely secular uh, you know feast day but um, it's definitely didn't start out that way hmm. okay well, there's your Cliff Notes guide to, to uh, North Amer American Thanksgiving then. All right. Thanks so much. Well, and thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Show notes for this episode can be found at sicon.fm slash THF78. That's C-S-I-C-O-N, Sicon. If you enjoy this show, be sure to check out the other fine shows in the Sicon Network. Coffee with Jeff has had some really cool things lately, like he always does. Um, and I was going to refer to a specific one, and I didn't put it in the show notes, but uh, Nancy Wake is the one that I'm about to listen to. That's the latest one. She was a very interesting individual. Now, the History Files wouldn't be possible without your support. We are especially grateful to our patrons who support us through Patreon. You know who you are. Another way to help us out, and no less important, is ratings and reviews. We really appreciate stars or even a short review at iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get our shows. Also, our YouTube channel is growing. When you get over there, be sure and subscribe so you don't miss out on video content as we launch it. The closer we get to 100 subscribers, the faster we can get a real live URL that we can easily share. Our trailer for the History Files is up there as the welcome video for the time being, and I hope to have something new uploaded at least a couple times a month. Um, that's all I have. Well, cool. Well, first off, I'll... Thank you for being here. I'll give my own thanksgiving to you. And um, I hope you all have a happy thanksgiving yourselves, even those of you who are in Europe or Canada, or Australia, wherever. Have a happy thanksgiving when you do yours. And please join us again next week for another exciting episode of The History Files. The History Files is brought to you by Bad Cat Productions, a proud member of the SciCon Podcast Network. For show notes, more episodes, or to join the conversation on Slack, visit us at scicon.fm slash THF. We also invite you to consider supporting this and our other fine shows by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash where a pledge of even $1 a month will help keep us on the air. Bad cat. Meow.